This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. For many organizations, cyber insurance has become a vital part of cybersecurity, allowing organizations to have peace of mind should the worst happen and they fall victim to a cyber attack ransomware attack or malware event. But is it the case that cyber insurance could actually be fueling the likes of ransomware attacks with cyber criminals knowing they can get a payment because of the insurance policies? I'm Danny Palmer. This is ZDNet Security Update. And with me to discuss ransomware and cyber insurance is Alan Liska, Senior Security Architect at Recorded Future. Thanks for joining me, Alan. So first of all, what exactly is cyber insurance and how does it work? Um, so cyber insurance has been around for, for many years. Um, and traditionally, cyber insurance was helpful for organizations that got hit with uh, any kind of an attack uh, and any kind of cyber attack because it would help defray some of the cost of recovery. So the basic concept is you have a cyber insurance policy you get hit with some sort of attack and you can use that cyber insurance, the money you get from the cyber insurance company to help recover costs. So, you know, just like if you got in an automobile accident, your insur- your auto insurance would help recover the cost of repairing your car. Um, we know that co- uh, recovery costs after a cyber attack can be very expensive for organizations. So having that additional insurance in there is really helpful uh, not having to worry about taking budget from other places and so on. Um, but uh, to your point, over the last, especially the last two years, as the average ransom price, uh, ransom demand from ransomware actors has increased dramatically, uh, cyber insurance in a lot of cases was used to pay the ransom. And in fact, we know that a lot of ransomware actors would specifically uh, during the reconnaissance and exfiltration phase of the ransomware attack would look for information about an organization's cyber insurance policy to use as leverage in the negotiation process. So how is it that cyber criminals are identifying organizations which have cyber insurance and finding out the, the, the terms that are, uh, that, uh, of that insurance? Because it seems that uh, they are getting to a point where they find the terms, they find that this insurance company will pay out up to this much. Fine, that's what we're going to ask them for in terms of a ransom, which uh, I suppose for the cyber criminals makes life somewhat easier for them as well. Right. So what's been fascinating is um, a number of ransomware groups have come out and straight up said, we look for organizations that have cyber insurance. So they'll, they'll comb through public documents. They'll um, you know, try and go after the insurers themselves to find out who their clients are. Um, but even, even if they don't know for sure, because so many organizations have some level of cyber insurance, uh, we, and we saw this with the leak of the documents from the Conti affiliate, 
uh, one of the things that they were told to look for. So the whole documents in Russian, mostly in Russian, and then you get to this section in English of look for these six English words um, when you're going through the file system. And one of them was cyber and uh, insurance was another one. So like a third of the words uh, that, that they wanted you to look for involved cyber insurance. So, you know, they, they are very cognizant and, and even for their, you know, not native English speakers um, or, you know, uh, non-English speakers at all, they had the words that they had to look for in order to find the cyber insurance policy. So, uh, you know, really fascinating the way a lot of these big game hunting ransomware attacks uh, evolved to specifically look for that information. So how do these uh, big game hunting ransomware attacks work? Because it seems that you know, when you read about lots of these cases, it's not just a thing where they get into the network and immediately trigger ransomware. They are there in the network for weeks or maybe even months looking for things like that, that could provide them with additional income, like cyber insurance, or looking for crown jewels and you know, other important bits of the network. So how do these campaigns actually work? Because it's something we're hearing more and more about now. It's, it's, there's, there's, it used to be the case that ransomware was fire out as many phishing emails as possible and infect someone with Lockheed, give me $300. Well, now it's spend months inside a network, may give me $30 million or you're not getting it back. Right, so, and, and that's exactly right. So what is interesting is the way that the ransomware business has evolved. Um, you know, so we're now really in like the third generation of ransomware. If you take like Lockheed and Cerber, um, which I know you covered um, before, uh, uh, yeah, that's really like the second generation of ransomware, the first to really professionalize and, and, and you, know, you know, go and settle on Bitcoin as a payment option or cryptocurrency as a payment option, et cetera. Um, and now we're in the sort of the third generation of big game hunting. And that's meant that that professionalization has kind of divided the workload. So now you have what we call initial access brokers, the ones that go out and they get the access and then they flip it. Uh, you know, uh, so I go and I get access to a corporate network and then I turn around and I sell that to the actual ransomware actor for three to 5,000 um, pounds. And then the ransomware actor actually goes in and does the work. And to your point, um, there are sometimes in those networks for weeks Sometimes months, although that's less common now because they've gotten much better at moving around the network, but it's still a good bit of time because they have to escalate privileges, so they have to get admin access, they have to find all the servers that they're interested in, they have to gain access to the domain controller, and then they have to grab all the files they can, get those files off the network, and once all that's done, then they can generally use the domain controller to push out the ransomware or use scripts or PowerShell or something to push out the ransomware to all of the organizations. And that does take time. Um, but yeah, that's, that's you're, you're spot on with the way a modern ransomware attack works. So when it comes to attacks which exploit cyber insurance, how are they going about doing this? Are they literally just telling the people they've infected, look, we know you've got cyber insurance, pay up? Yeah, I mean, we've seen that in some of the ransomware negotiations where the ransomware actor will pull out the, you know, an email that describes the cyber insurance policy, or if they've gotten the document themselves that, you know, directly, hey, your cyber insurance says it'll pay up to a million dollars. That's now, that is now your ransom, um, uh, uh, you know, that's now your ransom payment, you know, and, and so that becomes 
a, a big tool in the negotiation. Um, now they don't always good at reading what the document actually says um, or understanding the point. They just see that big number in there and say, oh, you know, you have $10 million worth of coverage. We need a $10 million ransom. That's not quite how it works. But, you know, that, that is how they use the leverage. I mean, we saw that with uh, Broward County schools that got hit uh, uh, in 2021. They had, I mean, it's a school system, so they don't really have a whole lot of money. But, you know, the, the, the ransomware actor is like, oh, well, you have a $500 million budget and you have a $10 million cyber insurance policy. So clearly we can ask for $50 million in ransom. And it's like, no, schools don't work that way. Um, but, 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 you know, that, that's kind of, on the one hand, they're, they're, the ransomware actors are getting more advanced and that they're using things like Dun & Bradstreet. They're using things like uh, the, uh, the cyber insurance policy. On the other hand, they're not quite understanding what the numbers mean. You raised an interesting point there because, yes, when it comes to if an organization suffers a cyber attack and the insurance covers $10 million, if they hand over $10 million to cyber criminals, they've got nothing left to restore the systems or restore the network or investigate things, which is, uh, I suppose it just goes to show that, no, this is A, a complex issue, and B, that even if you do pay the ransom, which obviously a lot of uh, experts and authorities say do not do, but even if you do pay the ransom, that's not the end of money going out the system. So there's a lot of other things to consider. Right. I mean, so a ransomware attack really, for a lot of organizations, becomes a way of covering all of the technical debt that they've accumulated over the years. So we talk about how much it costs to recover from a ransomware attack. So even if you pay the ransom and you get the ransom key, one, the ransom, you know, the, the, the decryptor given you by the ransomware actor inevitably sucks. I've never worked on an incident response uh, for a ransomware attack where the ransomware actor gave a decryptor and that was the crypto that was used. It's always rewritten by the, by the IR team. So that costs money. There's the time that's involved in restoring the files, but then you have to rebuild your network, figure out how they got in, figure out how to secure that, and then you know, often a lot of the projects that the security team or the IT team have been screaming about for years, suddenly budget becomes available to get those done as well to make sure there isn't a repeat attack. So even if you pay the ransom, there's still a lot of recovery time and cost involved in, um, in, in you know, restoring the network and getting it back up and running. You made, made an interesting point there about yeah, once an attack has happened, it seems budget becomes available and a recent report by the World Economic Forum even sort of suggested this that there's almost a disconnect between managers and cybersecurity teams about what's going on but as soon as an incident happens it's like oh suddenly there's budget to be found when in the previous incident there's always oh no we can't afford to do this or make do with what you've got and it's one of those things where like many things in life I suppose uh, planning uh, in advance to prevent something is cheaper than having to deal with it afterwards. Right, and, and, and that's spot on. And in fact, a lot of cyber insurance companies are starting to recognize that. So we've seen a lot of headlines about how cyber insurance companies are losing money, you know, lost money, uh, which I'm gonna be a little skeptical about those headlines that they've actually lost money. You know, Insurance companies generally aren't in the business of losing money. Um, but I'm sure they didn't make as much money as they expected from cyber insurance over the last uh, over the last couple of years. 
as you know, ransom demands have skyrocketed. So we've seen that shift of you know, cyber insurance companies being a bit of an enabler in that, yeah, we'll cover the, the we'll cover the ransom costs too. Now, not only are they not covering, uh, many of them aren't covering ransom costs, but now in order to get your policy renewed, you actually have to put real security uh, measures in place. And, and that's kind of that fascinating shift of them going from being completely reactive to being much more proactive in making sure their organizations are secure. You know, there, there's the old joke in security, which I'm sure you've heard, how could I have been hacked? I'm PCI compliant. Um, you know, uh, and, and now cyber insurance companies have kind of gone from that reactive, you know, reactive checkbox uh, uh, to active, actively, proactively, uh, you know, assertions of security posture being in place, and and you know, running scans on their customers and all of these other things to make sure they really are secure. So when it comes to the future of cyber insurance, for want of a better term, uh, what needs to happen in order to ensure that uh, there's less chance of cyber criminals and, and ransomware operators exploiting uh, cyber insurance like they, they have been in the last uh, few years? So I, th I think we're getting more toward that area when we talk about um, the, the sort of proactive and uh, uh, scanning and proactive analysis of the security of their clients. You know, so I, I'm an old overweight man. It's very hard for me to get life insurance. And I think you're going to see the same thing with um, a lot of security, with a lot of companies now that if they, um, if they won't put the protections in place that are necessary, they're either not going to be able to get cyber insurance or cyber insurance is going to be prohibitively expensive for them. Uh, and, and I expect we'll see more of that going forward, because really that's the only way that this can work. Um, uh, uh, if, if we're not going to regulate and force companies to put in certain security standards, which doesn't appear that we're going to, globally at least, um, then, then we're going to have to rely on the industry to kind of police itself, and cyber insurance is one way to do that. So when it comes to preventing ransomware attacks, whether a company has cyber insurance or not, what are some of the things that organizations should be thinking about to ensure that they don't become a victim of ransomware in the first place? Or if they do, they are equipped to deal with it in a fashion that means they don't have to pay millions of dollars to, to cyber criminals. So there are a few things that I always recommend. You hit on some of them. Patch and uh, uh, multi-factor authentication. That's, that's a big one. That's gonna stop a lot of these ransomware attacks. Um, um, scanning underground forums for credential reuse because credential reuse attacks are very popular right now. Um, also third-party vendors. Uh, third-party vendors as a member, uh, as an initial access factor have really grown in popularity. I mean, we saw that you know most notably with Kaseya last year, but we see a lot of these smaller ones as well that are coming from there. So auditing your third-party vendors to make sure they have proper security precautions and any access into your network has multi-factor authentication enabled. Um, but I, I like to, um, I, I like to uh, compare a, a ransomware attack to a boxing match um, in that you know, really there's multiple phases to a, a, a ransomware attack. There's the initial access, there's the reconnaissance, and then um, the lateral movement, 
there's the exfiltration and then there's deployment of the ransomware and then finally there's the sort of the uh extortion sites and all that other good stuff um you don't necessarily have to win the first round right you just have to not get knocked out so if you miss the initial intrusion um as long as you're scanning your network for things that the, the ransomware actors do, and I, I know this is easier to say than do, but it's what you have to do. Look for things like uh, the ransomware actor killing your security program. That's a real common thing that, that ransomware actors do that a lot of organizations don't have a high alert on when they probably should. Look for uh, credentials being used to log into places where those credentials shouldn't be used to log into. So, you know, again, good identity and, and access management, um, network segmentation, things like that. So if you don't catch them in the first round, maybe you can catch them in the second round um, or, or the third round. You know, So you have the ability to stop them at multiple points. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing game, but it does mean, and, and I know, I know the, the cliche of defense in depth is overused in security. So I, I feel like you probably want to punch me for saying that, um, but, um, but, but, but really, if you're looking at all of the different stages of a ransomware attack, and honestly, any kind of attack, because these are the same things that a nation state does and that other cyber criminals do. But if you're looking at the different stages and you have protections in place along the way and you have detections in place along the way, you can stop the attack at any point during this process. And you have often weeks to do this, which is really important. You don't have to worry, hey, I missed that initial access, so it's done. No, you still have time to catch them and hopefully stop them. Well, Alan, that's some great advice. And hopefully for anyone watching this, they will take that on board. Uh, thanks for joining me on ZDNet Security Update. And for more information on how to keep uh, your organization and your network safe from ransomware and other cyber attacks, be sure to like and subscribe to the ZDNet YouTube channel. And of course, there's plenty of articles, news and features on ZDNet.com. Thanks for watching.